Hi there, it's Lucia, host of the Witch Money podcast here. Before we start today's episode, I just wanted to tell you about a really handy new tool from us here at Witch, and even better, it's free. It's called My Money Health Check. All you need to do is answer a few quick questions about your finances, and then we'll do the rest, pointing you towards our brilliant witch advice that we think you'll find really useful. Once again, that's My Money Health Checks. If you want help with cutting your bills or making your money go further, it's the place for you. Just head to witch.co.uk forward slash my money health check. Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of the Witch Shorts podcast. I'm Rob Lilly and this week we're taking a trip to Italy, exploring the stunning scenery around the country's northern lakes. First though, a reminder, please subscribe if you like what you're hearing, tell a friend and leave us a review and a rating too wherever you're listening. Now on to today's episode, brought to you of course by us here at Witch, the UK's consumer champion. As I've already mentioned, we're heading to northern Italy, and to read us this article, originally written by Julia Buckley, I'll hand you over to Laura Sanders. Shimmering waters dripping in wealth, possibly a little stead. Italy's lakes have been tourist magnets for centuries, but their reputation hasn't changed since the days of the Grand Tour. There is, of course, another side to the lakes, one of thundering nature, thriving communities and rich history. And you don't have to pay through the nose to find it. It's a sunny Sunday afternoon on Lake Gaza and the lakeside is heaving. Cars snake along the waterfront, dodging cyclists between cypresses. Sailing boats ply the water. But where I stand, 700 metres up, it's a different world. From Formaga, the lake unfurls like a sky-blue rug. Birds tweet in silvery olive groves. Church bells drift across the water. Somewhere, a donkey brays. And I'm the only tourist amid a slew of tracksuit-clad locals at Cavecha, a trattoria wedged into the bone-grey cliffs rearing up either side of the water. No, we don't have a menu, says the waiter, slapping down a platter of grilled meats and cheese-swelled polenta in front of me. An hour later... Stuffed and tipsy for just 16 euros, I stagger out to watch reflections of the clouds on water, like plump cotton wool balls, and squiggles in the glassy surface that have me scanning for Nessie's Italian cousin. Separated from the shoreline by a 20-minute zigzagging road is the kind of peace you rarely get in Italy's most touristy parts, plus as much sun as a Sicilian beach. Garda has a Mediterranean climate, which means you'll find olive trees, lemons and warmth year-round. Those lemons once sealed the lake's wealth, says Fabio Gandosi. In the 19th century, there were 450 limonai, lemon houses, in Little Gargnano on the shore below Formaga alone. Today, his limonai lamalora is the only one left and little has changed since its 17th century origins. Vast bushy lemon trees, some of them centenarian, grow on terraces between stone pillars which become props for a wooden shelter in. Shafts of sun twinkle on the branches as we walk through, Garda glinting through the windows. It has the hush of a church. 
Fabio renounced his acting career to show that lemons can still provide a living, and someone else who left the arts for Garda was Gabrielle Danuzio, a best-selling writer who turned fighter in the First World War. In 1921, crippled from combat, he arrived in Gardoni Riviera, where he transformed his villa into a temple to the arts, the Italian military and himself. Today, the Vittoriali degli Italiani is exactly as he left it in 1938. This is no dusty National Trust property though, it's a work of art in itself, where every single surface is covered with stuff. I need the superfluous, Denisio used to say. Ceilings are clad in textiles, rugs are slung over more rugs on the floor, and books, sculptures and photos of his many lovers take up every dustable inch. There are 800 items in his bathroom alone, from rows of hairbrushes, he was bold, to butter statuettes. On the dining table sits the shell of a giant tortoise, its body recast in bronze. Danugio's pet, Carolina, which died of indigestion, sat at the table as a warning against greed. In the grounds, above a warship grafted into the hillside, is a five-layered white building, garlanded by cypresses and olive trees, the mausoleum, where Danugio is buried with some of his fellow soldiers. Garza unrolls beneath us, a yacht slides across the baby blue water, cars glint in the sun on the opposite shore. But up here, it's just me and them. If Garda is loveliest seen from on high, Como is at its best from the water. Of course, it's heavenly slaloming around the cliffside roads and across the lake in a ferry, but it's only by chartering a vintage Riva water taxi that I see Como the way it was built to be seen, from the water, eyeing pastel-painted villages stacked up the cliffs and those grand villas situated at the water's edge. We start at Bellagio. Como is an inverted Y shape and Ritzy Bellagio is the point at which its legs meet. Of those two watery limbs, the western shore of the western one has for centuries been the most fashionable. When most people talk of Como, they're referring to the 20 mile stretch between Chernobyl and Menagio. Pootling south in Filippo Barandelli's open-topped boat, you see why. From the water, you glimpse the life of the 1%, manicured gardens rolling towards the lake, lavish villas behind them, from castle-like to prudishly simple. Filippo points out a property belonging to the heir of the Guinness Brewing family. But it's teeny, I say. He snorts, that's because we're far away. Because between the shimmering lake and mountains shearing up out of the water, Como shapeshifts. A mansion becomes a cottage. At 400 metres, it's Europe's deepest lake and it becomes a satin slick of blue. Mountains cradle it. The nondescript house in Leo is in fact George Clooney's mega mansion. Look closer at that petite cypress tree and you'll see a tiny Lego-like figure at the tip, the gardener trimming its fast bulk. Getting on the water swaps Como's sometimes obnoxious tourist buzz for a liminal world of soft reflections, and it's that watery stillness that I crave back on land. I find it in Moltrasio, near Leo, where water shoots over the cliff and funnels down, cleaving the village in half, and a local cooperative, La Moltrasina, does a two-course lunch for ten euros. Further north, in Muso, a lakefront walkway skips over the water and past makeshift wooden thrones. This northern end of Como is flatter and more democratic. The lakefront is accessible to everyone, not just villa owners.
at the Abbazia di Piona on a promontory on the northeastern side, that otherworldly feel has been harnessed by Cisterian monks. A cobbled Amalfi-esque road squiggles around the cliffside through a gate guarded by statues to a 12th century monastery. In the cloister remain frescoes, including a 12th century pole dark scything corn and a wild-haired Jesus blessing a decapitated martyr. Outside, olive globes roll down to the water as donkeys crop the grass. The Humbug Stripes Church at Gravadona hovers below the mountains on the other side. As the sun slips behind the peaks, I join the monks for vespers. Hawking phlegm as they sing, they're the unedited humanity that doesn't exist in Clooney's Como. On Monte Isola the following week, Sunday afternoon is Italy in microcosm. Tiny trucks buzz along the sparkling waterfront. Olive trees dot the shoreline. Italians are out in force for their passeggiata. We'd call it a stroll. Midway between Garda and Como, croissant-shaped Iseo is often overshadowed by its big deal neighbours, but that's no reflection on its quality, as Monte Isola shows. A half-hour ferry ride whisks me from Iseo, the lake's main town, to the south, across the water to the island mountain, Monte Isola. I disembark at the main village, Peschiera Mareo, for a Sunday lunch of lake-nested fish at Hosteria Maleo. A mile stroll south, past olive groves, pebbly shore and fish drying in the sun, is Sensole, a hamlet so sleepy that signs warn of cats crossing. Iseo's beauty is nothing new. Back in the 18th century, travel writer Lady Mary Wortley Montagu was a frequent visitor to Lavere on the northern shore. She called it the most romantic place I've ever seen, and while I wouldn't go that far, it's certainly lovely, with tight medieval passageways, rabbit warren staircases weaving between the houses, and a modern waterfront, cantilevered over the lake. She wasn't the first to find the area inspirational. 30 minutes north of Lavere in Val Camonica Alpine Valley is some of the most moving artwork I've seen. A thatched roof village stands frozen in time. A group of women perform a mysterious ritual. Herds of deer dance across the canvas. Only in this instance, the canvas is stone and the pictures whirl us back 13,000 years. On a hillside overlooking Capo di Ponte is the Parco Nazionale della Incisione Rupestri. This translates as the National Park of Rock Engravings, an open-air gallery of around 10,000 pictures etched into more than 100 dark rocks, smoothed to a blackboard-like sheen like glaciers. We don't know why prehistoric communities chose here to express their creativity, but that they did for 3,000 years. They chiselled men on horseback and esoteric symbols, but mostly they depicted praying men, squatting, arms up in the air, as if doing the haka, and deer, their sacred prey. One baby deer snuffles at its mother. A pair of antlers melts into a crack in the rock. Enveloped by pine forest, squaring off against snowy peaks and a prehistoric sanctuary, it's fiercely spiritual. South of Lake Iseo is another special area, Franciacorta, known for its velvet-bubbled white wine. At our Rocco, Gianluigi Vimacati Castellini guides me round his cantina, where he hand-turns 80,000 bottles every year to create the bubbles, then leads me to the restaurant for a slap-up dinner by his mum, with Franciacorta pairings for every course, including meat. Yes, it works. Food, wine and mama... It's not just Monte Isola that's Italy in microcosm. 
And like everything else I've seen, it shows the living, human side of the lakes that's often obscured by the tourism sheen. Verona, Milan-Malpensa and Bergamo are the closest airports to Garda, Como and Iseo respectively. Malpensa is the best served. Airlines flying from the UK include British Airways from Heathrow, Ryanair from Bristol, London and Manchester and EasyJet from five UK airports including Luton, Gatwick and Edinburgh. Verona is served from Gatwick by EasyJet and from Heathrow by British Airways. You can also reach Milan by train. The new Frecchia Rosa high-speed train from Paris takes under seven hours and the journey from the UK can be done in a day. You'll need a car to get around, although on Como you can also reach many villages by pedestrian ferry. There's a car ferry from Bellagio to Verena and Meneggio on either side of the lake. Avoid August when Italians fill Garda and Iseo and be aware that much of Como and Garda is closed outside of season, which runs roughly between April and October. Thank you to Laura and thank you to Julia Buckley too, the journalist who had the not-so-unenviable task of heading to Italy for that original piece. Don't forget you can find more articles that you'll find useful every single day on everything from money and technology to home and garden advice and travel too by signing up to one of our many free email newsletters and you can do that at witch.co.uk forward slash newsletters. We'll be back next week for another episode of Witch Shorts. And thanks so much for listening. Witch Shorts was produced by me, Rob Lilly, while the exec producer was Angus Farker.